friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com, also the host on our other podcast, the CU Insight Experience. But it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. We're going to identify issues affecting credit unions, have that discussion around best practices, and hopefully we can gain a few nuggets that we can all learn from and improve our credit unions. My guest on today's show is Chris Sachs. He's the CEO and founder of ThinkStack. I've met Chris before. I was excited to have this conversation. So let's just jump right into it. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you, my friend. I think the last time we saw each other, probably a GAC or something, we wouldn't have thought this would it would be this long, but here we are. So <laughs> just like everything else, we're doing it digitally. I, I like to start out on the show talking just a little bit of background, get, let people get to know you. Most of us did not grow up thinking someday we want to be in credit unions. I know you and I have both been in them <laughs> for a long time now, but what did Chris want to be growing up and, and what was the, the inspiration to found ThinkStack, yeah, you're the founder, and you know, become the CEO of ThinkStack. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think I was kind of a dorky little kid. I always wanted to be the CEO of a business. Um, if if you ask my siblings, they'll tell you that even the lemonade stand, the the lawnmower cutting service, I was always destined to do something in entrepreneurship and leadership. But technology and credit unions were not on my roadmap at all. In fact, I'm still fairly tech averse, if you will. I don't use a lot of technology in my life, which is kind of the irony of, of running ThinkStack. But my first uh, business that I started out of college was in trucking. And I just really got a taste for leadership and I got a taste for innovation. Believe it or not, there is a tremendous amount of innovation in the in the logistics and you know trucking industry. And it taught me a lot and it allowed me to have some parallels when I did pivot into the technology field. When I went into credit unions, I was able to leverage a lot of the knowledge I had gained in the trucking industry, which, again, similar to technology, was one of these industries where I wasn't an expert. I didn't grow up designing walking floor trailers for the trash industry, but somehow we solved that problem. And, um, you know, kind of similar to credit unions, it was just a, I felt like leadership was one of these opportunities to help people solve problems. And, bring out the best in employees. So I'm doing what I love every day. That's awesome. It, it's funny how, where our paths go, right? Like I would have had no idea I was going to run a trade publication at some point growing up. So, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and still don't think I'm that smart at it, but sure having fun drawing, right? So for many people that have been on this show, I, I say, let's pretend, but you and I actually have met in person at conferences before, but let's say it's that yep. first time again. And, uh, you know, we're, we're meeting in the elevator. Give me the pitch. What is ThinkStack? You know, how do credit unions benefit from you? And if you could touch on a recent relaunch as a QSO, that's that's big news. Yeah, that's that's been really exciting. I would say my marketing and salespeople will probably cringe when I give you our elevator pitch, but I'll do my best. You know, we, we help innovative transformational credit unions guide through a digital transformation of, of, of some type. And a lot of people are using those buzzwords nowadays, but at the you know core of what we do, it's we help credit unions understand the technology infrastructure and cybersecurity that they need to have to be able to go through any type of digital transformation. So our tagline is, is uh, transform and protect. So we really like to help credit unions oftentimes go to the public cloud, things like Amazon uh, web services and, and other platforms to help them get there 
to be able to leverage that innovative technology and then help them protect their cybersecurity along the way. So we do projects, we do design work, and then we have 24 by 7 monitoring and management of their platforms once they're installed. Okay, I'm going to ask the kind of basic level question, because I know I've asked this of you guys when I've met you in person before. You mentioned Amazon Cloud Service. I know it's the biggest one that's out there. I know a little bit, very little. But for people who don't, and when they just heard you say Amazon, they're like, that's how I've been grocery shopping during a pandemic. You know, um, (laughs) why is your affiliation with Amazon Cloud Services important? Or what should people know, I guess? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think it's critical. So, you know, if you look at the kind of evolution of, of Amazon, right, they were a tech firm, you know, to your point, but as part of supporting their primary business, they had to build data centers for all of that. And as that grew, they, they basically built the most cutting edge data centers and technology in the world, and they have them all over the world. And, you know, what Amazon Web Services is the, the opportunity to share and sell um, space in that cloud, if you will. And, and people always wonder, what is the cloud, right? That's a question right. we get a lot. And ultimately, it's just somebody else's data center. Yeah. It's still a data center. It just happens to be leveraged with infrastructure that a credit union of any size could never possibly build themselves. Right. And so you, you, you get to put yourself into an environment that is more robust than you could ever imagine. But more importantly, from the perspective of credit unions is Amazon is out there playing with new technologies, AI, blockchain, machine learning, you, you kind of name the buzzword data lakes, right? They're doing all of that for you. And for a credit union, it takes the, the need for you to have to predict the future and puts that need back on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> if, if the world comes out and says, you got to have a data lake tomorrow, and you're in Amazon, then you you turn that button on and it's there. And if three years later, the world says you don't need data lakes anymore, then you turn it off. But if you build your own data center, you have to predict that, you have to buy that, you have to plan for it, and you can't ever turn it off if you don't need it. So if you guess wrong, you can't do it. And I think COVID right. taught us, we have no idea what's going to happen next year. No, right. And, and we have to be able to move so, fast, right? So yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. So it really, it really just gives credit unions the ability to be nimble, and fast, to your point, to be able to respond and react. During the pandemic, we had some credit unions that were thriving, that were growing like crazy, that needed support. We were able to leverage Amazon Web Services to give them remote workstations yeah. really quickly. We were able to leverage, in some cases, they had a, a PPP loans that were going out. We were able to expand their computing power to be able to perform more uh, lending operations. We had other credit unions that were actually hit hard. I think a lot of people did pretty well during COVID. I think other people did not. We had one credit union come to us and say, we need to find savings. And that's the other beauty of of these cloud services is we were actually to throttle back some of what they were doing and provide those savings to them. And I think that's, that's, that's the flexibility that, yeah. that, that you get. Not the side yet would think up there. You know, as we were preparing for the show, I, I was really, I'm looking forward to asking you the next few questions because I, I think of you guys as such an innovative company. You just mentioned digital transformation, kind of a buzzword, right? What does that mean though, you know, as far as the credit union business model, you guys are, uh, you know, helping people do this daily. Um, what do you see happening in this space kind of going forward that credit unions need to consider today? That's a big question, right? Right? But I think ultimately the big thing, and and Randy, you've you've probably heard us give this talk a couple of times at different conferences, but we like to use the the military terminology VUCA, which stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And 
at the end of the day, what that really means to us is that credit unions have a difficult task to have to deliver services to their members that are keeping pace with the innovation that they're getting used to, whether it be Amazon you know, themselves, whether it be the experience that you're getting in various other places, whether it be fintech. Members have an expectation for what the digital experience is going to look like. Organizations and businesses have a need to be able to use data in ways that they've never been able to. And while doing all that, we're being attacked by you know many, many different entities that are trying to steal all of that data. So the complex task that credit unions have before them is really pretty unbelievable, where we're asking credit unions to try to protect the future, protect themselves, and, and do all of this with limited resources and limited budgets. And so our support is, you know, I wish we had the magic bullet that I could come tell you this is exactly what credit unions are going to need in three years, right? right? But I can't. But what we can do is help you. How do you build a, we like to think of technology as a platform as opposed to, you know, anything else. So how do you build a platform that is flexible, nimble, data connected, and, and meaning that, that you can have access to all of your data when you need it for whatever application you need and secure? Those are really the four elements that we try to look to. And we feel like if you can get that platform built, then whatever comes out next, whether that be the next pandemic and you have to pivot remotely or, gosh, we've had so many credit units deal with some of the natural disasters recently as well. Absolutely. And then, you know, not to even speak of whatever the next innovation is going to be that, that somebody needs to respond to. So the idea for us is how do we build that infrastructure underneath of what is happening at the credit union so that they can then use their people and their partners to decide what is the next innovation. And when they identify that, they can turn around and their tech platform supports it. You know, that's interesting to me. And and one of the things that like I know we just have to touch on because and you, you mentioned it in there is one part of it. So I'm I'm kind of interested to see or to hear, I guess, if it is the platform that you still need underneath, but it's the idea of cybersecurity. I, I remember a, a few years back early on in the CU Insight Experience podcast when Chuck Fagan from PSCU was on, he was like, I am yet to turn down a cybersecurity budget increase, right? Because he's like, I don't want to be that guy where that gets shut down. It's something that's always stuck with me because every credit union has to think about that. So, you know, a, a couple of questions when it comes to cybersecurity is what are those the important steps, let's just say, for credit unions to take today? You're first starting to, to talk to them when it comes to their program to keep their members safe and the credit union safe. And then how does ThinkStack really work alongside the credit union as a partner? You know, not only today, but or if you're doing a planning session a quarter from now, let's just say, but also when you look out one, three, five, you know, 10 years, how, where do you guys fit in? Yeah, no doubt. So it has to start with the credit union, right? It, it, can't start with ThinkStack. And and what I mean by that is that the board and the CEO have to have to support it just like Chuck did. Now we can talk about budgets forever and that is scary with cybersecurity budgets kind of getting out of control. And I, I do think there's ways to control that and be smart about the money that you're spending. But the idea, and for whatever reason, I can tell you, unfortunately, Randy, people still don't take cybersecurity seriously enough. And I don't know how many times we need to read <laughs> or experience you know, various different threats until people really understand what is happening. I delivered a board presentation to one of our credit unions uh, just last week, and we pulled some reports and data from their various different security systems that are, that are protecting the credit union. And I shared with them how many potential threats 
we're attacking them every single day. And it was millions upon millions of events that are happening every single day. And thankfully, the security tools are taking care of most of that. But just to get an idea that you, you credit unions are truly under attack and and in many cases have probably already been breached and don't know it yet. So the first piece is to take it seriously and to allocate the appropriate resources. The second piece is that cybersecurity still sits with the CEO and the board. Many credit unions like to think, no, this is the IT guy, or I hired the best CISO, or I outsource this. The buck stops with the board, and the buck stops with the CEO. And ultimately, you have to be able to ask the right questions and understand enough. You don't have to be a cybersecurity expert to ask good questions. So you just have to be able to ask the right questions and look at the right data and ask for the right practices to be in place. And then from there, there's there's lots of different ways. The, the, the most simple way that we try to think about it is the first thing is that you really want to get a good design. A lot of people think of cybersecurity and they like to go out and buy the fanciest you know product that's out there, right? I liken that to running a sports franchise. So the, the organizations that I see doing that run out and buy these really fancy tools, but they've never addressed the fundamentals. So think of the fancy tools as like the big name wide receiver. Right. But if your offensive line still is no good <laughs> and, you, and your defensive line is no good and your quarterback can't throw in the football, it doesn't really matter. But unfortunately, the marketing is so strong with some of these cybersecurity products that people go out and buy that before they've actually addressed the most fundamental things. And what we see is that the majority of our cybersecurity breaches are against things that are just basic fundamental design and maintenance issues. So so the first thing that we, we do is like, let's make sure everything in our environment is architected correctly. Let's make sure that we know where everything is. That seems so simple, but what data do you have? Why are you collecting that data? Where does it sit? What are you doing with it? So know where it is, know how to protect it appropriately, excuse me, and then do the appropriate maintenance. So many breaches that you can go back and see was a vulnerability simply because you didn't do the updates on your computer. Those get lost in the shuffle. So doing that routine maintenance every day, every week is really, really critical. So if you do those things, if you do the fundamentals and you get the, the right design, you're going to protect yourself against most of that. Once you have that done, right? I like this. Once your offensive line is good, once your defensive <laughs> line is good, and you have a good playbook, then you can start adding talent and it will and it will do that. And so there are cybersecurity tools that are great. And those are things like a SIM. I'm sure people have heard that uh, buzzword. Um, UEBA is another popular one, which just stands for uh, user and entity behavior analysis. There's different things. But basically what a lot of these new cybersecurity tools are doing for you is they're monitoring normal behavior by looking at what does Randy do on a regular you know, day, right. where does he log in from, right? And it does that for every device and every person in, in your organization. And then anytime there's something that is an anomaly, it will identify that and it will ask, in our case, we have a, a 24 by seven security operations center that we provide to credit unions. So we have security analysts that are sitting behind the screen. They would identify that there is you know, anomalous behavior Randy, you mentioned you're going on vacation, right? All of a sudden, we see an IP we, that you've never logged in before. So right. our our security analysts would pick up the phone and call you and say, "Hey, you know, are you on vacation right Is now?" This you, you? Go, yeah, yeah, sure am. <laughs> cool, no problem. And most of these things are, in fact, false positives, and 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 there's a reasonable explanation. But you need somebody that's looking at that 
because you can't just build tools and let them sit there. You need that human intervention in cybersecurity nowadays. And you need to be able to respond quickly. You'd be surprised how many incidents occur. But if you can catch that incident very quickly, you can quarantine that becomes minimized as opposed to, you know, something like the Colonial Pipeline. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> that was something. That's a recent one. That's for sure. To wrap up the first part of the show, I, I'd like to, I feel like we've been talking about the future, but ask you a, a few questions about it. So, and like I mentioned before, you guys are innovative and so this should be fun, but if you break out the crystal ball, disruption, word we've been hearing, right? Like whether it's from outside of traditional financial services or inside, I don't think any of us think that's going to slow down anytime soon. So when you're looking out at the the future of credit unions, is there something you think we need to do better? And then also, you know, just to stay competitive and relevant uh, going forward. And then what trends are, are you working on? Or are you trying to, when you start to think, think stack forward, the direction that, that you're going to, you know, meet the needs of these challenges for credit unions out there? I think there's, there's quite a few, uh, Randy. Um, but I think the biggest one that I would call low hanging fruit in that, I think it's very doable now. There, there's some broader topics that we could talk about with cryptocurrencies and blockchain and other things that I think could potentially cause disruption some point down the future. We're not quite there yet. But when I think about, and I hate the buzzword big data, so I, I, I will try not to use it, but I still think data is woefully underutilized, both internally by the credit unions themselves to be able to draw um, insights and and use that data to create uh, new products and services and identify opportunities within their membership. But then also, how do we give that data to our members? How do we give them the information that they need to help educate them? And a lot of that data is already sitting inside of the credit unions themselves for both purposes. Unfortunately, it is often untapped. It's not connected and it's not looked at in the right way. And in many cases, it is left to, you know, months and months after the fact, because it takes a lot of manual intervention to run these reports and ask the right questions. How do we get that to be more real time? And thankfully, the technology exists. There's a lot of different um, ways to solve that problem. So I think that's really untapped. I mean, there are credit unions that are doing it and doing it pretty well. But I'd say by and large, as an industry, that that is there. It's, It's attainable. It's affordable. And, and we're still not quite tapping into that in the way that I think it, it could be really revolutionary for both the credit unit and the member. And then in terms of ThinkStack, interestingly enough, there's a lot of things that we're doing. But one of the things that's really resonated with folks, you know, the, the way that we always differentiated ourselves in the IT services and cybersecurity space, there's, there, there's a lot of people that do what we do. But our credit union focus and specialty is is one area. But, th- but the other area is the way that we try to communicate. And that is using journey maps and design thinking and strategic foresight. And so instead of us sitting down, like when you asked the question earlier, Randy, about cybersecurity, I think yeah. a lot of cybersecurity companies would jump right into the features and benefits of their particular product and why that you know fits and solves some problem. But for us, we like to look at it in the reverse and say, you know, who are you as a credit union? What is it that you really need? And how can we, you know, services that, that'll support that? But that really flips the way that we talk and the way that we think. And we do that through those non-technical ways. And what we're finding is people really want that holistically. 
beyond just our services, they're saying this method of communication through journey maps and through other things has allowed us to break down the technological barriers of communication and bring it more to pictures and graphs and things that everyone in the room can understand. It's creating a more collaborative culture. So we're actually productizing and starting to do some services on top of the tech services that we provide to really take that to the next level as we help educate and you know, teach people how to communicate in more effective ways. That's good stuff. It's something that I've I've noticed over the years, and I say this from completely as a layman, but the idea that you mentioned it earlier in the show that like technology sits in the IT department, it touches everybody, right? Whether it's the marketing department and the tools they're using and the, you know, it's just so makes total sense what you said, like this has to be a CEO board driven level just all that important, right? So to wrap up the show, I'd love to have some fun with the rapid fire questions, much like we do on the other podcast, the CU Insight Experience. The questions are rapid, but Chris, your answers do not have to be. So uh, (laughs) I I have to ask this. It seems like everybody had a COVID purchase or one of those purchases recently that you you just didn't know you needed. And now maybe you're like, I didn't know I... And now I can't live without it. Did did you have one? Did you get the puppy or the Peloton? Or <laughs> I had the Peloton. We have three dogs, so I need a I need a break from the dogs. You know the, the the oddest thing. So we live in a really wooded area. I've really gotten into chainsaws and log splitters. Really? Okay. And I've been processing all of my own uh, wood, taking care of any tree that falls. And I've become a little bit of a lumberjack in my free time. So that, that, um, that's awesome. And, and now what are you doing with the wood? You, you building something or just burning it? Or <laughs> So, yeah, we uh, burning it. We actually built part of our playground using the, the logs. So we tried to build awesome. kind of a natural playground. And then there's there's actually some some local folks who heat their house with with wood stoves. Yeah, and and they come and take it because we have we have a lot of trees. We have, we a, have lot. a lot of trees. That's, that, that's <laughs> fantastic. The lumberjack. All right, I like it. W- when you hear the word success, who's that first person that comes to mind and why? Ah, uh, yeah, this is going to be a really strange one, but David Attenborough. So, for those of you who probably have no idea who he is, I'm a nerd about the environment. He's the guy that made Planet Earth and and some other stuff. But recently, he's in his late 90s. And he is just a person that is insanely passionate ab- about the environment. He's He's been an environmentalist since he <laughs> like 70 some years ago. Right, and he has yeah. some really amazing video footage of like what the Amazon rainforest looked like when he was in there in his 20s and what it is now in his 90s. And he just did a really cool Netflix thing. And I just sat back and watched. And I was like, you know what? He's leaving. I'm not wishing death on David Attenborough. Oh, right, um, yep. But, you know. <laughs> He's he's older and he's leaving a heck of a legacy behind and he has stayed true to what he's been passionate about for 70 years, even in the face of a lot of different critics. And I, I just really appreciate that. He's he stood very firm and he's he's let his message be known to the world. And I think it's it's pretty admirable. That's a good one. I'll have to look up the the Netflix documentary. I have not seen it yet. So. I can't remember the title, but it's uh, good. Well, we'll find it and put it in the show notes. So it, it'll <laughs> be there and, and I'll be watching. Maybe I'll download it for the plane. A random question. What's the greatest album of all time? That one you can listen to without skipping a song. Oh, man, that's a good one. I'd have to go Zeppelin, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
I think I'll go Zeppelin four there. But, there you uh, go. That was one of my first rock albums too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I wasn't, I don't think I was old enough. I don't think either one of us were old enough to when it first came no. out. Right. But we're, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a classic. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> any books that either you've gifted over time or is there that book that you just think everybody should read? Radical candor. Yeah. Okay. Really, really love that one. And, interesting it came up yesterday in a topic because we've we've stayed pretty remote as an organization but we, we've also been a remote organization yeah. we have over 40 some employees and i think 25 of them live outside of the maryland area and and so even before covid but we have found the ability to give feedback and you know talk honestly remotely has been a little more challenged and so we were just refreshing our our uh, knowledge of, of that book, but it, it really does give you some good frameworks to be able to provide good feedback across an organization. That is a good idea. I, you know, talking to many CEOs here the past six months or a year, most don't think there, there will even companies or credit unions that were, didn't have remote work think they will going forward, like at some level. Yeah. Right. So that's a, that is a great one to revisit. I like that. The calendar's empty. What does Chris do to unwind outside of work? Golf, flag football, ride my Peloton. Yeah, a lot of energy or just spend time with my kids. I have three young kids. So okay. They, they uh, we'll, we'll go for walks in the woods and all that kind of stuff. There's that, there's no shortage of things to do with them. <laughs> absolutely. So we'll, we'll link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. The, the last question that I have for you, any final thoughts you'd like to share with uh, our listeners, viewers today or, or an ask of them? You know, the, the comment that you kind of made towards the end of the interview, Randy, this idea that uh, not just cybersecurity, but technology in general is really a board and CEO conversation. There was, a, there was a great article written fairly recently, but it just talks about asking the right questions and providing that technology governance to say, is the energy and the money and the resources that we're putting towards technology and cybersecurity delivering on the member experience that we want and constantly asking that question and driving towards that answer is really the role of a, of a CEO. And I think a board to a certain extent, because this is a huge expense. And the more questions you can ask to say, are we really getting what we need to prepare ourselves for the future out of our technology investments, I think is just such a critical question. It can take you down a lot of pathways and those are things that we like to help people with. And so we're happy to help, but there's a lot of people out there. So, even if you don't, you know, choose to work with ThinkStack, I think being able to ask yourself that question and ask your organization that question will, will lead you down a good path. Well, we think they should work with you. So we will link to that and everything else, like I Absolutely. said, in, in the show notes. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, Chris, for being on the show. Stay well, my friend. Thanks, Randy. Appreciate it.